0: Hey! Welcome (laughs) to Creative Block. We're your hosts, Gene
1: and V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam.
0: We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts.
1: And today with us, we have Jenny
2: Goldberg! Hey!
0: Hey, Hey! it's me! Hello! Hey, it's Jenny! It's
2: me! Thank you so much for joining us! Thank you for having me! Of
0: course. How's your day going?
2: It's, it's sweaty it's all right
0: <laughs> yeah it's father's day so happy father's day to you, you happy a, a happy
2: sweaty father's day to you too yeah
0: you're a father of many millipedes right
2: oh i'm yes i am the millie millie daddy
0: <laughs> daddy
2: i'm a milli <laughs> milli daddy I think, th-
0: I think that's your new twitter handle
1: <laughs> i was looking up your instagram stories to make your promo picture and then they saw all the millipedes and they're very cute but i am very afraid
2: of them <gasps> don't oh. be afraid. They're so cute. They're just. Babies. It's the feet. It's the, It's just. There's so the many feet. Legs. It's yeah. It's. They're just little gentle, feet. little gentle weirdos. I promise. Little
0: living little brushes. Jenny, tell us who you are and what you do.
2: Who am I? I don't who know. I ask myself this every day. But let's
0: get let's get deep. Let's get real. let's figure out some <laughs> some existential shit here.
2: Who am I? I am God. Where do I even fucking start? I I'm. I'm, I'm Jenny Goldberg.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, uh, I work in animation, mostly doing character design and art direction. and God damn, I feel I'm so bad at describing myself. I don't know. Oh, you're doing great. I, I, I'm just like I'm just some guy, you know? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs>
0: let's start let's start with your humble origins. How did you first kind of get into art and uh, what like what got you going on this path?
2: Oh Jesus! Okay.
0: I like the slight panic as you're trying to explain. No, that.
2: it's, it's <laughs> <ugh>. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I, uh, I think you know. I was very influenced by the fact that like both my parents come from animation.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They're both they're both uh, drawlers by trade as well, and yeah, I grew up in a household just full of animation cells and drawing and, and all of that stuff. So it was just kind of part of the the That's atmosphere. So cool. mm-hmm. It was it was a weird thing because it's like, you have two people who... Uh, I'm going to try to draw my dad. <laughs> Happy it's dad, Father's Day. Happy Dad's Day. And like, I, I you had two people who were really talented and did this professionally and as a kid, you know, you're just like, hey look, I drew this fucking mermaid and my mom would be like well your anatomy is fucked and i'd be like i'm five you know and like <laughs> oh <laughs> God, that's brutal
1: yeah that's i always wonder, like you know if you grow up with like your parents being artists you know like are they going to be like really encouraging or are they going to be like just really tough on like hey, I know this craft.
2: <laughs> it's, it's hard, because you have two people who just do it professionally. So, like, it, yeah. They're used to, like, picking everybody's work apart and, and everything, so that's, that's just part of the, the thing. But, you know, I played a lot of uh, drawing games with my dad, who looks like this, sort of. I don't fucking know. Yeah, so I, yeah, grew up with parents who were both doing this. And, and yeah how aware i'm like where do i even go with that well i
0: mean like did they did they kind of push you towards art at all or was it just sort of something you were interested in okay you just kind of were going by your own volition
2: i i was just kind of doing what i liked to do and uh that was just making shit from like everything (laughs) just i i liked constructing things and drawing things and it was just kind of part of the general energy of my brain and i couldn't avoid it yeah that's so cool what kind of other things were you also making besides drawing Uh, i I mean i love sculpting and i love i just was always doing dumb things like i was that kid in elementary school like doing origami by themselves like it was just i don't know oh that's so cool yeah (laughs) yeah it's silly i don't know shit but yeah, I, I I liked just literally anything. I was also that co- that kid making hook rugs in elementary school with my grandma. Or what's
0: a hook rug?
2: Uh, it's just like you take little pieces of yarn and that are cut into like maybe like three inch pieces, and then you mm-hmm. take a little hook and and a kind of a gridded mesh, and you 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 uh, knot the single piece through the mesh like a million times in kind of like a pixeled Whoa. pattern to form.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, kind
1: of
2: like what you, you recently posted on Instagram, right? Um, that is done with a gun. So that is like...
0: Oh, like a Ooh. Glock? Like, just an yeah. actual gun? Yeah, I'm just oh, cool. firing
2: like an AK-47 <laughs> into a canvas. It's pretty cool. <laughs>
0: sick. <laughs> Commission Jenny to shoot a gun and make a, some crafts for you. Yeah,
2: I'll just fucking just go to town for you.
0: Yeah, that'd be fucking Yeah, brap <laughs> Here you go here's some
1: those rugs are amazing nice by bracelet. Way. the colors are insane and the shapes are really cute <laughs> thank you
2: thank you so yeah. much
0: yeah i think it's cool that like it shows i mean you're still doing that stuff like post so much like you're making what like collars and and uh all these different little crafts and things and it's it's crazy like i don't see a lot of art, you know, I guess like drawing artists doing other things like that. And so it's really cool to see that you've kept up with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's something very specific about that, though, because I feel like I've always kind of done that stuff like in secret Mm -hmm. and I didn't post it because I felt like a weird shame attached to it. Oh, sure. Yeah, because it wasn't related directly to my career or like what I should have been doing. And, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I think there's a big pressure within the animation community to be like, like, what are you working on? Like, what are you doing? Like, d- yeah, does yeah. it always fucking pertain to something important, you know? Yeah. And it, it's tough because like, I, I don't know, like, I wanted to be doing a lot of stuff. I think it was actually over the, the during the pandemic, like, I kind of let go of a lot of that angst and, and was just kind of like, well, fuck it, like, I'm so miserable, I'm going to yeah. just be more indulgent creatively and do more wants instead of more shoulds, you know, sure. and and I think ultimately that's actually been helping my brain a lot.
0: Yeah, I think it happened to a lot of people. I feel like I've seen a lot of friends and peers say, fuck it. It's been a real fuck it year. It really and, has. Uh, just doing shit indulging and just but I think also part of it is we're all a lot of my friends are in their like late 20s to 30s and uh we're all just like hey I'm like an adult right (laughs) like you're like look around and you're like wait shit I am an adult and I can do whatever the fuck I want like Bam Margera and so exactly it's just it's been it's been a nice kind of release and yeah everyone seems like they're figuring out their happiness and so I'm always happy to hear when people are just like yeah fuck it i'm going to do this thing that makes me happy cuz why not
2: yeah i agree like it, it it felt more pressing to do things that were happy inducing <laughs> during this yes. Last year
0: yes yeah it was a rough one mhm
2: so
1: when you were growing up you were doing all these kind of crafts and kind of um, did you kind of, did you know you wanted to pursue a career in art specifically? Or did you kind of, like, keep all your, like, avenues open? Kind of what was the process for you going through school?
2: I mean, I I always knew I wanted to go into a field of art. I actually felt like fashion was where I was going to head initially. Interesting. I took, but, like, I was constantly taking extracurricular classes all through like elementary school and high school and junior high, like I was that weird child that would in be in like the the metalworking class with like a bunch of moms who just wanted to learn like metalworking in their free time, and I'd be like the one kid in there just being like, "I'm here to learn metalworking too," and they'd just be like, oh, "Fucking kid!" Yeah. But really yeah, cool. I I think. My brain was like i want to do illustration i want to do fashion i want to do something in that kind of family of things for a while i in because i was really obsessed with paco Raban who did like he was a runway designer but also did like all the costuming for barbarella you know and like so i was like as a kid completely obsessed with what he did and would i, I got into chainmail like in a big way in like junior Whoa. high and i actually contacted some like local spot at one point that was just like some house that did chainmail for movies and stuff and i was like hi i'm 13 and i'd like to work for your company doing chainmail and they were like fuck <laughs> off and i'm like well okay
0: <laughs> that's so funny that's so funny you really chase your passions huh
2: i'm really annoying about them i j- yeah but but they're annoying to me like i they they're in my head and i can't ignore them so it's but like that's
0: great yeah you you recognize the stuff that you want to do i think that's awesome and then you pursue it which is important because yeah. i think a lot of people just let it you know they just think about it but they never actually act on it so that's great
2: i yeah it's like it becomes like a like a like a high p, a high pitched squeal in my head until i do something about it Interesting. <laughs> It's, like, I need, like, during this break, I got to be in my bonnet about the rug-making stuff, and suddenly, I I think a lot of that can be attributed to my very intense ADD, but, like, Mm. fell down, like, the most insane rabbit hole of, like, rug-making techniques, and then just, like, went completely bonkers on that and was like, well, I'm investing in, like, a three foot frame and I'm investing in a gun and I'm investing in this and I'm just going to do it we're doing it here we are and we're making a rug oh we made a fucked up rug okay we're making another rug like it just Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah it's but do you feel
0: like do you is it like a a, like an actual kind of compulsion or um I'm just I find that interesting like do you feel like you can't kind of sit still until you do those things you try those things that like are nagging at you
2: yeah actually Hmm, I think I can't comfortably like go about my life knowing that there's this thing that I want to try and then I don't try it but then to to be fair I, I also don't think that I'm like there are certain things that rank so highly for me and I've put on this like psycho pedestal that like yeah. I I want very badly to do them and then I I'm so scared of doing them that I don't like voice mm-hmm. acting is one of those for me where oh, I fucking love it like it mm-hmm. makes me so happy and any time I've had any opportunity to like do that uh, for anything I'm over the moon about it okay. And
0: Gina want you- to remember that
2: <laughs> yeah yes please oh god if you need any voices hit me up
0: yeah, that's, that's good to know.
2: Yeah, I love that shit. But I also, I, I'm like, who am I to believe that I deserve a voice acting career? I'm fucking nobody. Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> there's plenty of reasons to not do something. You know, there's always, there's always going to be the, the doubt and people gatekeeping and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's great that you try things. I think, I think like that's, I don't know. I, I always love hearing when um, guests at the show talk about their, their passions and just like that feeling of compulsion. I almost want to we usually save the creative block question for later, but I would love to ask it now. Like, do you ever feel a creative block? And if you do, what does it feel like for you?
2: Oh, God, yes. I And I think I feel very different flavors of creative okay. blocks as well. Like I like let's say I'm experiencing like some very profound burnout on a job. Yeah. You know, um, like recently I had a very brutal job during the pandemic and I had to quit because it was just, it was too much. And and when I came off of that job, I, it was like, while I was on the job, I was like, I'm fucking dominating. I know how to draw like a motherfucker. Like, yeah, I'm getting it. And then like, when I left, it was like, how do I hold a, how do I hold a pen? I don't, I don't know what I'm mm-hmm. doing. And it, it It's like shattering every time that happens Where you feel like oh my god I don't know how to exist anymore And uh, my, my way More recently especially To dig my way out of that hole Is like change mediums yeah. And uh, yep. I have started Basically like doing exactly What I've been describing to you already Where it's just like mm-hmm. Don't do something where you're sitting at a computer Like do yeah. something That is like making something with your hands, or f- sing, or like I, I don't know, just do something else for for a minute, and like it won't be as um, painful when you come back. Because I think there's this pressure to be like, well, back to drawing. Oh God, oh, I haven't God, drawn yeah. for myself for so long, and then you feel all this pressure for having not drawn for yourself, and you're like beating yourself about up and th- about that, and then you like it's this just poo loop of feeling bad and then not working because you feel bad and then yeah, it just keep yeah. and feeling worse because you're not drawing and ugh ugh is, to- is Ooh, yeah. terrible very familiar
0: the feedback loop yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah, tough yeah, yeah. i mean i i'm going through it right now too like i it's and and it's a bad habit of mine to keep wanting to push through it but it's like everybody that's come on the show has similar Advice which is that like you got to walk away from it You know it's like you gotta just try something else And I think it's cool Uh, the reason why I brought it up earlier Is because it sounds like you have so many Different interests that like you must Always have something to hop to when Like drawing is you know Holding you back so you're like oh I'm gonna try this I'm gonna try this and that must be That must feel good do you think that that's Helped you uh, over the years
2: I do Um, absolutely But once again I think as I said There's like a lot of like weird shame Tied up in it Mm -hmm you know and so like i wasn't for a long time indulging in the way that i should have in like other things because i would still be sitting at the computer and be like slapping myself across the face be like go draw draw (laughs) draw you stupid bitch what are you doing you know and like it (laughs) just it was terrible and i i like only i'd say within the honestly my 30s yeah. I'm like almost I'm turning 37 in like a month exactly and my 30s have been a respite for my brain in that regard where I'm like I don't care anymore like I just yeah. don't fucking care and so yeah it's being able to like drop everything and like go do a rug or go do something else I've, I've even tried right now especially during the pandemic uh, to, to bookend my shit where I start with something that is for me at the beginning of the day then I do things that I need to do in the the you know sandwichy meat part of the day, and then like mm-hmm. uh, the other bread part is me doing something for myself again. <laughs> and so a, I
0: such a way of describing things.
2: Oh, that's yeah. so
1: good. That's really good.
0: These I love These visual that. metaphors. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, for real, I feel like for me also, like, when you say, like, starting the day with something you enjoy, I feel like there was a, a time in my life where I was really on top of doing that, and I was the most productive and, like, happy about my days.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just hard yeah. to just, like, actually keep that discipline, I would say,
2: you know? Yeah, like it's so hard. And, and it is. Like, yeah. Yeah, because you get yeah. sucked into those jobs and stuff, and you're like, yep. you, yeah, j- you just give your whole life force to them mm-hmm.
0: yeah god if that's anything that i can impart on like any younger artists that oh, are god yes listening to this like don't don't let your job consume you yeah they don't care about you no they will it's fi- a job they will f- yeah it's a job they will fire you you're you know like it, you have to have other hobbies your work will still be recognized as long as you're doing it like
1: yep. at the same time though i'm i'm, I'm putting just a small asterisk uh, yeah go for on it. It. it's just like i feel like unfortunately like at the beginning of a career and you might like speak on that too as well jenny's like at the
2: beginning you just kind of have to, to just like you work yeah. your ass off i don't well, know well let me uh, let me asterisk your asterisk because like <laughs> yeah my very very first job that i had that was like an official job was cleanup um on monster high um mm-hmm. the, and and i worked with this dude named Leo. And I was staying late every night, you know, mm-hmm. and I was, I was like working way longer hours and just really busting my hump to like prove my, my value. Because I felt like yeah. this, you feel like you're, you owe the animation industry something for giving you a, a job. Mm-hmm. Um, right. When it, I mean, the hard. F- fast truth is they need you they need you Yeah. but you don't know that when you're little and you're like ah, i am just i'm gonna give them my whole butt and soul and everything and like <laughs> whole butt my whole butt <laughs> and you know i'm i'm at my desk grinding away it's like 9 p.m and, and leo walks in and he's like what are you doing here and i'm like oh you know i'm just She's burning the midnight oil just <laughs> trying to like you know like prove my worth to myself and to this company and um <laughs> self-worth issues totally tangled up in this job and like he was like go home and i'm like yeah. i will eventually <laughs> and he's like go home now go home and i was like I and he was like look when you work longer hours And you put in all that extra time, it sets a bad precedence for everyone else on this job. Yeah. Yeah. And and it makes the studio have unrealistic expectations of their workers to just do that. Right. And and it makes it like normalized. So don't do that. Go home. And it was maybe the most important bit of advice that I received like early on in my career. And it doesn't mean you're not gonna be busting your hump or, or trying extra hard and all of that stuff, but also it's it's like really important to me mindful that it is it yeah. affects everybody around you and and yeah the company's perception of you and and everything. It's it's crazy.
0: Yeah. I think mean, that's it's really the true,
1: thing. especially the, the I feel also like even like I've also heard something that like if you if if someone works hours are too long like like longer than expected it's kind of like it it also might make you as a worker look not as efficient kind of like
0: oh but, yeah i can backfire you know
1: like kind of like oh why are you here so long when you should have been able to get that job done within like the nine to five kind of thing that's I mean, how i
0: always see it like yeah. i i've yeah like some artists not even just artists like even production people i've known i've known that stay like till 9 p.m and it's like what were you doing like there's no way that you're still you should be still be working on this right like that's how i always feel it's mm. like take take the time like,
2: like go home. i don't know Just, go yeah. home yeah.
0: if you couldn't finish this task in the time you know if you were if you were working even not even working that hard if you were working throughout the day and you couldn't finish that's an issue of the schedule not you like you should never have to grind more than the time during the day
2: absolutely guess,
0: get your overtime pay you know,
2: yeah, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. sure. if you can mm-hmm. yeah. go get go get the ot get
0: that overtime i think that if i could add an asterisk to your asterisk i think that like early on it's gonna happen you know you want to set yourself apart yeah and you want to kind of you have to find some way to set yourself apart and so like it's inevitable that people are gonna grind and i i definitely did and it probably helped me
1: i was just gonna say like i feel like it's also just like At least for me like you know when you start your job you're not as like experienced so you know you're just slower at the beginning like unfortunately like you know when you start out you're just it's just how it is it's just like it used to be like really hard for me to complete a board in x amount of time and now i'm like yeah i can do it you know it's kind
0: of it happens with time i think if if you like you gotta you gotta kind of grind a little bit in the beginning and you're especially when you have the energy too um but there comes a point and i i recognized it when i first got my job at nick where i was like i feel like i have quote unquote made it mm-hmm. and i immediately set up those boundaries of like i'm not going to take my work home with me and like yeah, i, I, I mm-hmm. and and that helped a lot like i actually you know i've i've i had a lot of friends who were miserable because they were also taking on like freelance and all this mm-hmm. other shit and i'm like Are you happy? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, what are you doing? Like, just like make that separation. Go home and like relax. Like, whatever. You're you're here. You're working. But everyone's different.
2: I mean, I get it. It's hard. Like, especially when it comes to things like freelance, because you, I mean, I've had huge stints of my career where I'm working almost exclusively freelance, and then you're like, oh my god, when is the next? gig gonna yeah. come my way so then you're like i gotta keep rolling like as long as things are offered to me i have to keep taking them but mm-hmm. the reality is like as long as you just keep rolling like things will come your way and honestly it, the old uh adage when it rains it's poor when it when it rains it pours is like so accurate because it'll be yeah. like a dry spell for like three months and then all of a sudden you're getting like 12 offers and you're like oh yep. fuck like what do I even do with all of this and you're like I want to take all of them
3: Yeah,
0: I think that like one of the reasons why I was saying that it's good to uh, not overdo it or you know just have other things besides drawing like you were saying how you used to feel that shame and that guilt and it's like ultimately if you're a creative person like you shouldn't box yourself into just drawing Absolutely. all the time because like you're you're gonna end up not having anything else, and and that ultimately hurts your main hustle. Like you know, like when mm-hmm. you have those other hobbies, you're just making yourself better. You're you're still making yourself a better hire. You're making yourself a better person, and all of that stuff comes back around.
2: Absolutely. Um,
0: I almost wish that that I had more hobbies growing up because like I just I it's like I don't I haven't lived life enough, and like I'm fine, you know. But I know there are people that do even less. Like they just we're all in on like ocs and drawing and or whatever and it's like oh man you got to like travel you got to like do what you can to just like mm-hmm. live your life and then and then you'll feel more fulfilled later on in life because you ha- won't feel like you've only been grinding at this job that's thankless <laughs> like ultimately
2: oh my god yes
0: so it's uh it's but yeah so it's always everyone's different everyone's paths are different that's kind of the point of the show <laughs>
3: And, but let's
0: t- let's yeah go ahead v. yeah
1: i was just gonna say like uh tying in back to everyone's different mm-hmm. um so kind of what kind of when did you realize that you like what did, did you go to college i was wondering if you went to college because you said that you were really interested in fashion is that something that you ended up pursuing
2: sort of i so i i um i took a bunch of early college program fashion classes and like fiber arts classes and stuff and fiber arts yeah it's like working with weird materials like like i'm I'm gonna learn how to dye things with cabbages and i'm gonna learn what the fuck oh my yeah God. hold on yeah, no. You can use Cabbage all kinds—cabbages uh, and onions uh, and all kinds what? of stuff—make like all kinds of crazy bright dye. It's it's really interesting. Um, wow, so it's that's like that's like a
0: a bender art, like fiber <laughs> fiber
2: arts. The fiber arts. Yeah, the fiber arts. <laughs> But Definitely. yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. It, it, there's like a whole bunch of different aspects to it. It's like learning different textile techniques, like batik and like all that stuff, where you use like wax on fabric to to create like a negative design, and then you dye it, and then you lose the wax out of it, and then Whoa. it's like the empty space where the dye did not touch is left, mm-hmm. and the image is you know. So it's like all Holy kinds shit. of in- okay. interesting ways to like make your own textiles and then like interesting ways to like sew them into stuff. So I did a lot of that before college um, and took a bunch of courses. And then once I was actually like going into college, um, I applied all over the place and I got into the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, uh, the one that's like attached to the museum and I went there specifically actually with the idea of do- doing um, illustration because Edward Gorey went there who's a huge one mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. I have a really cute Edward Gorey story I could share it at some point but Please. should I share it now? I'd yeah like, I
0: do it now yeah.
2: I, I'm pretty sure I did not take my ADD medication so if I'm just tangenting like no, super no, 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 no. hard like we'll keep down. you on track thank yeah. you <laughs> I appreciate that but yeah I when I was like nine at my school we had this project that was like uh, choose an artist and then uh, do a, a piece of theirs and dress as them and around this time i was uh, already like a massive edward gory f- fan and mm-hmm. um i used to go to like antiquarian book fairs with my mom and i had dealers that i'd hit up and be like yo you got some gory for me and i was like looking for <laughs> fucking first editions and shit i was i was like such Damn. a weird little goblin and um So, of course, I'm like, oh, well, duh, Edward Gorey. Mm -hmm. No brainer. So I told my teacher I'm doing Edward Gorey, and she was like, well, Edward Gorey is not a real artist. Mm. And I was like, excuse me? And she's like, he's a commercial artist. Um, We're talking about people like Picasso. And my parents are both what would be considered, quote, commercial artists. And my mom, I came home and was like, Miss Allison said I couldn't do Edward Gorey because he's a commercial artist. And... My mom was like, oh, oh, hell no. And then like <laughs> she uh, she went to the school and she was like, Jenny, stay outside. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, God.
0: Man, that's great.
2: And <laughs> she she reamed my art teacher. And then uh, they both came out. My mom's like, you can do Edward Gorey now. And I was like, oh, OK. Your mom <laughs> rules. My mom is you don't want to fuck with my mom. Yeah, she means business all the time. She was an animation lady in a sea of men for a very long oh, time. God, so yeah. You don't you don't fuck with that. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: so I did. I, I I did at Regori. I dressed in a pair of stovepipe jeans, a pair of Converse <laughs> sneakers, and a Doubtful Guest t-shirt. And then the piece of resistance was this like very uh, tatty giant beaver fur coat that my mom and I found at a thrift sh- a thrift store, and I put a big beard on my face and and pulled my hair back into a ponytail and was like I'm Edgar Gorey and um that's so cute. And I was like I have to do this in the most authentic way possible. So I learned like dip pen and ink and like did uh a piece from the Epiplectic Bicycle which uh, it was like the drawing of um this little alligator on his back and it says i died next to him and i thought it was the funniest shit when i was nine (laughs) still think it's pretty funny now
0: sounds pretty funny
2: it's real good so i did that piece and at the time my mom and dad or my mom was working at warner's and she had a friend steve who was working directly with edward Gorey to develop some of his stories into shorts and i my mom was like look um here, let's take a picture of you dressed as Edward Gorey, and let's take a picture of you holding your piece from the epiplectic bicycle. And um, we gave it to Steve to give to Edward Gorey. And then I didn't hear anything back for a while. Oh, I also wrote like a very embarrassing fan letter that was like, ah, dear Mr. Gorey, I'm nine years old, and I love your books, and I'm your biggest (laughs) fan, and look, I dress like you. And Oh. I didn't get a letter or, or it was it was you know I didn't get anything back for a while and then all that came was a stuffed animal that he had sewn by <gasps> hand for me one of his gossips and it's like orange with pink polka dots all over it and um and so I still have that to this day so Edward that's awesome. res- responded by making me a doll which is very sweet <laughs> that's cute oh my god it's it's one of my my treasures to this day when was this uh what year fuck what how what year was it when i was nine i'm 37 now i'm so bad at math jesus christ i
0: was was wondering if you knew offhand
2: it's definitely like early 90s um you know you died a while ago it would be like 93 because i moved oh okay i moved from england in 1990 to the united states and then we i was six so yeah it would have been like 93 Ish. Yeah, you
0: grew up in England, right? That's that's interesting.
2: Ooh, wait, that's cool. Yeah, talk about that. Oh, I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, both my parents were in England doing mostly. Like, my dad was working on commercials. Uh, he had a mm-hmm. he was working at a commercial company that was partially his called Pizzazz because eighties and. Um, mm-hmm. And doing, like, lots of commercial ads and stuff that we were animated. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom was working on things like Fievel's, Fievel Goes West and Cool World and uh, Hell Yeah*, uh, Fern Gully and stuff like that. And uh, she was doing, like, yeah, lots of Bakshi movies and whatever. So we were there until I was six. And then...
1: How long? Total? Like, um, were, y- were you there for, like, how many years?
2: Um I, well for I was there for six years. My parents because I was six, but my parents oh, So you parents, were born there. I was oh. born there. Yeah. Okay. Whoa, well, so you have like double nationality. I do, except like they just changed all the laws, so I I've lost my dual citizenship, which really oh, bums damn. me out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that sucks. No fucking blows because I you know especially during like the Trump administration was like well I'm mm-hmm. moving to England goodbye everybody
0: <laughs> yeah get the <laughs> fuck out
2: and then I was like okay I can't move to England never oh, mind god,
0: it just keeps getting worse yeah
2: wait so did
1: you have a British accent
2: oh my god I had a very heavy a very heavy British really? accent really I did so oh we have gosh. like um very like we have like old videos of me when I was a kid there's one in particular that's very distinct where I got a present for my birthday and they set this huge box in front of me and i had such a prim british accent it's very funny i I say oh
0: my god i'm like
2: it's it's rather large and like that's like the clearest so cute (laughs) i'm like i'm like oh my god i'm like four and i'm like it's rather large i'm like oh god you weird fancy child what is that? harry
0: potter child yeah
2: but yeah, so we were there for a while, and then we moved to California because my dad got the opportunity to do the genie in Aladdin. So that was why we moved. So oh, wow, yeah. So that's that was my dad's, um, you know, big claim to fame as he created the genie, and then um, and, nice. yeah, and both my parents uh, from that point forward were at Disney Feature, and they were both working on things like pocahontas and hercules and uh mm-hmm. they have two pieces that they my mom art directed and and my dad directed in fantasia 2000 and so they were like doing doing full disney stuff yeah for, forever but uh yeah i moved here as a weird little kid with a super heavy british accent which i paid for dearly oh really <laughs> so kind of like oh, no. how was that and like so yeah like do you think like your sense of like were you already
1: crafting like in england like kind of how were you how were your hobbies in england compared to like the accessibility of like all different kind of hobbies out here in california or is that maybe you were too young i don't know
2: oh i mean like i was always making stuff like that's that's just part of as i said like that was just part of the dna i don't think i could have avoided it it was just Mm. yeah it was part of the scenery but that that also uh when i got to the united states and i i started going to like an elementary school full of children who are like what the fuck is wrong with you why do you talk like that Mm you talk you know, wrong you talk all wrong you weird kid but yeah i you know i got like the shit beaten out of me for having a british Damn. accent and that freckles sucks. and carrying a very chewed up looking bear around named bear um, for no. a very long time and honestly making stuff and drawing became like a very distinct fallback for me where i i just hid out most of my early life and and just Drew alone because it was harder to like deal with other kids. So, I, yeah, it was kind of like a, like right. a crutch for me for a long time to to just like deal. And, um, and then it got worse because I developed epilepsy as a child. Oh, <laughs> and shit. oh man! I was like the British kid with epilepsy. Um, oh wow! And uh, that that only like furthered like kids from me because i had my first seizure in front of my entire school during an arbor day ceremony where i was singing on stage Oh no! and after that all the kids were convinced they could catch epilepsy from me so i was like (gasps) i became a super pariah and then was really leaning on art to like be my only friend so it was uh yeah i had like kind of a a tumultuous like kid kidhood wow
1: and you say, like, as a kid, do you still have, do you still deal with epilepsy now?
2: No, no. Um, I had what was called childhood seizure syndrome, and luckily I grew out of it. Yeah. But I had some doozies. I had, <laughs> this is so not art related, so I apologize. That's but, uh... eh, it's
0: a struggle. It's all part mm-hmm. of
2: it. I had another seizure. My mom used to go get these, like, sick, like, gigantic acrylics that were usually holiday themed. So if it was, like. You know, fucking pumpkin times like Halloween. She'd get like these crazy acrylics with like three dimensional pumpkins on them back in like the nineties, yeah. and uh, it was sick as hell. And um, hell yeah. I'd usually go with her to her appointments and just like sit there. And um, one day, like the one of the manicurists came over and they're like, "Do you want a manicure too?" And I was like, "Oh, sh- sh- yeah, okay." And I think I was probably around nine then, uh, maybe like eight. And so she's painting my nails, and my nails, and I just had a seizure in the chair while she's painting my nails, and she like completely lost her shit and was crying when I woke. I came out of it, and I was like, "Oh, oh yeah. God, I just scared the shit out of the manic- manicurist." I'm sorry. Oh, no. But uh, what you, was yeah. this something
0: like that would trigger it, or was it just random?
2: I found that when I was like too hot, or I was like too- very nervous, oh, or okay. overwhelmed, or like. Yeah. It was just lots of like feelings. I, it happened. Though the manicure doesn't really make sense because I don't feel like it was particularly like, you know, anxiety inducing or anything. Yeah. But
0: yeah, those are relaxing. But I mean, it could tribute. be like
2: as a little kid. I mean, I feel like as a little kid,
1: if like a random like grown up came up to me and was like, I'm going to paint your nails, I would have been like, uh, abort, abort, you know, like, I don't Maybe. know. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's just kind of like grown-ups are scary when you're a kid. I
2: don't know. Yeah. I feel like, Uh, luckily, that wasn't too much of a factor, but yeah, it was still like, yeah, I don't know. I felt bad for that poor lady. Uh, (laughs) Ah, You
0: were were suffering. Yeah, she's fine. (laughs) You were a child having a seizure. She can get over it. (laughs) That's crazy, though. But uh, so what kind of uh, what was your first like, quote unquote, you know, art job?
2: Oh man, Um, first art job. I mean, I feel like I've always been a hustler, like forever. Mm. I started, like (laughs) I learned how to do like lamp working, which is where you like melt glass and wrap it around like a mandrel to make beads. What don't you do? I've done like everything under the sun. I love just making shit. And yeah, I started making like shitty beads like and, and jewelry and stuff when I was in junior high and like selling it to people in school and uh, selling it to teachers. And so I was like already hustling like at a young age to be like, do you want to buy my wares?
0: <laughs> do you have like a trench coat and you would open like you want to buy some?
2: I, I mean I, I would be like here are some examples of my work you can commission me like it, the, oh, the man. word the word commission didn't even exist to me yet but it was like basically like getting commissions at like you know at That's eleven so cool <laughs> being yeah. like here I've made this necklace this one has a bee on it this one has a ladybug on it like which one interests you and I will make you a bee or a ladybug out of glass and then I will bring you the necklace tomorrow you know and it it was just I don't know. I also love just uh, making shit for people. So, like, a lot of the time was also just gifting it. But first official job, I helped my dad do cleanup animation on this Drew Carey show thing that was, like, where Drew Carey was, like, talking in front of an animated screen. And, like, the screen was portraying what he was talking about or something. It It was really Weird, but I was—I uh, did a little, a whole bunch of cleanup on a horse. I don't think I got paid for that, but my dad was like, "Do you want to help with this?" Because I have too much to do, and I was like, uh, sure, okay." And I think I was—I was still in high school, and um, then you know, college happened. I went to college. I learned no applicable skills. I learned—I came out with a degree in printmaking. Hmm. Because it was the only place I was allowed to draw, mostly, aside from, like, figure drawing. But they didn't have an illustration department. And I <laughs> I just wrote Rachel like I was writing my sister's name. I was going to say, it's Rachel. It's rather large. <laughs> it's rather large. But I... It's rather large. <laughs> I... Yeah. I, I graduated from college not knowing Photoshop, not knowing any skills that i use currently Mm. and um i was like well i'm gonna go into children's book illustration and then tried to do that but mostly just worked in a pet shop for like a year and like Mm. shoveled animal shit i have some pet shop stories good god
0: (laughs) give us give us one
2: just one okay so i as the new girl was Supposed to take care of the beta fish, which are the, like those mm-hmm. little Chinese fighting fish, and they're real pretty. Okay, and they're kept in their own containers because if they're in the same container, they'll kill each other. So mm. I like your drawing with the gigantic present, <laughs> uh, so That's cute. That's very, it's rather. See, that
0: one is it's, rather large, it's
2: r- really, really <laughs> it's large, it's really rather large, it's super rather large, <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps getting
0: bigger Probably. and
2: bigger. <laughs> so silly, I love it. Um, I feel like I'm drawing nothing good right now, by the way. But that doesn't matter. The betta fish? I don't know what is happening. I don't, I don't even know. This it's is just, just a cool blob. I'm just making a blob.
0: So, yeah, what about these fish?
2: Yes, sorry, betta fish. Um, so the betta fish, they all have these like little holes at the tops of the containers that you drop food into. And coincidentally, those holes are just big enough for beta fish to fit through. And so part of my job was when the beta fish would sometimes commit suicide and jump out of the holes, they would stick to the cabinet that they were on, like the, the jars were on. So they'd like, jump and then stick to the side of the cabinet. And then they would dry out to be these like little mummy fish oh. that were just adhered to the cabinet. And we had a spatula that I would use to pry the little dead mummy fish off the cabinet with. And uh, that was a a thing consistently. I I was like, how often could this possibly happen? And then I was like, oh, all the time is the answer. Wow. (laughs) One of those those
0: jobs that it's like I know nothing about. And it's like, wow, I guess that is a task that one would probably have to do. Oh,
2: man. Yeah, there's all kinds of things you aren't aware of that you'll have to do at a pet shop when you work at it as a very brief one more story there was this woman that we called the cockatiel lady that used to come in she would wear a giant oversized t-shirt she was really really short and very very wide and she would generally have like eight cockatiels like live cockatiels just clinging to her as she'd walk into the store and she'd just go cockatiels and then she we'd like point to the back of the room and then one of the one of the girls would go open up the cage and this woman's giant hand would just reach into the cage snag a bird stick it to her shirt and then throw money on the counter and walk out of the store (gasps) that was
0: eating was she eating them like i mean i'm like
2: i don't know i don't know why what was she doing with all those fucking cockatiels and how why were they staying on her shirt i don't know
1: i can't believe this is a i can't believe this is not a movie i can't believe this
2: is real is kind of what i'm trying to say is like how this is like out of a (laughs)
0: You gotta do it. You gotta pitch this show this dude. I have
2: show. so much fucking weird life fodder like I've worked some dumb uh, yeah. dumb pre animation jobs. I worked at a head shop and I'd never smoked weed before for okay. <laughs> like a while. And then people would come in and be like, which pipe is the best? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never smoked. weed." <laughs> this one's That's so pretty funny. I yeah, I it's very silly. <laughs> this one's pretty that's so great it's so fun. you're
0: just like this will give you oh oh dude you're get you're gonna get a buzz oh you gonna man, get this one fucked up you're on gonna this. get you're gonna get potted you're gonna get you're gonna get lit
2: you're gonna get it's gonna get crazy
0: <laughs> yeah it's gonna be nuts okay sure
2: yeah so what
0: what other kind of jobs did you have
2: um i mean i just you know as I said, I've always hustled, so like hawked my wares for a very, very, very long time, and um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I pet shop and the the head shop. Well, the head shop also was connected to a store where you could build like personal shrines.
0: <laughs> this is, this is <laughs> fascinating. This is just. <laughs>
2: To like, I'm to draw. Where, where was just... this? Was, was this in California or Chicago? This, this was during, yeah, this is in Chicago. Um, <laughs> it, there was this weird clutch of stores called The Alley that were, like, this umbrella of weird, like, alt shops. There was, like, a sex store. There was, like, a leathered shop. There was this head store head shop and then there was like this weird like shrine store called architectural revolution uh that I used to work for and so I used to I was hanging out in architectural revolution and we always were burning Nag Champa and like we you know we were um actually like there was a culture to the alley where they they wanted you to like be aggressive to the customers or like make make the customers like uncomfortable uncomfortable it was oh, kind of part part of the job uh, i also learned that i was making very very below minimum wage working there which is oh, no. fascinating but i learned that later because i didn't know better at the time yeah. but i uh yeah it was crazy i yeah this is a weird place to work so
0: no kidding
1: so intense like <laughs> i can't believe like wait so were you good at making people uncomfortable <laughs>
2: So at the time I had a completely shaved head. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I I've always dressed loud. Like I started dyeing my hair blue <laughs> when I was like twelve. And mm. like oh, wow. even before that, when I got a haircut, I'd be like, shave the whole back of it. They'd be like you're nine what are you telling me right now That's i'm like awesome. shut up i want <laughs>
0: <laughs> shut up and shave my head shut
2: up and shave the back of my head And they're like but you're a girl and i'm like i don't you know what you're them. even saying to me just fucking do the thing and then they'd be like uh okay and then i would come out with these like really weird haircuts so i've been doing that forever it's just once again part of the the dna yeah <laughs> so yeah do your parents L-
0: care at all about your your wacky hair shenanigans
2: The hair, they didn't seem ever bothered by. The piercings in the ears, they did not seem too bothered by. My mom took me to Claire's, like, 800 times to have, like, a teenager just punch a hole in my ears because I wanted it Mm -hmm. with, like, a gun. Like, never went to a piercer until college. But she was not cool with the idea of tattoos and was not really into the idea of like facial piercings or anything like that oh, okay when i got my septum pierced not that long ago she warned me that she would never look at my face again <laughs> if Ooh! i got this
3: <laughs>
0: wow
2: <laughs> she that's lied because she parents. still looks at my face
0: they are like ah gotcha
2: god fucking got you mom uh, got
0: got so funny.
1: so um in terms of like in terms of like that is so interesting that you did all these like (laughs) funny jobs did you like uh ever have to what's the word kind of stagger like your your first industry jobs with like some of the uh in between jobs or did you how was your first kind of like breaking in kind of like almost i'm almost i'm in-house kind of thing Uh,
2: so i think the break-in process was totally unnatural like it it, well, I guess it depends on your standpoint. So I, I started at the very fucking bottom. I'm always blown away by people who are like, I went to college and then I got my first storyboarding job. And I'm like, yeah. wow. Because <laughs> as I said, I graduated f- from college and was like, I'm going to do children's book illustration. And then like that did not pan out in any capacity because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I was working in mm-hmm. the pet store. And <sighs> I was struggling really hard because I had to teach myself Photoshop and, and like teach myself everything after I got out of school. So I was doing that at the same time as kind of just like looking around for things that I could do. And I, it was weird. Like I had a friend at the time whose mom was going to be running wild brain, wild brain studios Mm and they were moving from the bay area to here and that they were going to be staffing up. And I at the <laughs> during college I made a terrible comic with Jonan because we've been friends for like a thousand years called Jellyfist that no one should ever mm-hmm. look for. It's awful. But I sent her a copy of Jellyfist and I sent her some drawings and I uh, didn't hear back and I was like, "Well, I'm applying for my hair cutting license and I'm going to just go cut hair. I don't know what the fuck else to do." And um, I got into Vidal Sassoon Academy, and then within the same day, I got hit up by this lady who, her name is Marge Dean. Marge reached out and was like, we have a job. We could hire you to do cleanup. Do you know Illustrator uh, or Flash? And I was like, no, but I will fucking learn right now. And so started learning and got my first cleanup gig, um, cleaning up stuff like really rough pencil like paper pencil drawings that are like designers were doing to to translate for the for flash basically um i never learned flash well but i uh did that so i was that just was
0: actually do you remember how we met because you uh you were working we'll come to the zim movie later but there was a moment mm-hmm. where somebody uh brian burns came down to where oh, i was yeah, working yeah. yeah and was like Hey, I hear you're the flash guy. And you're I was the like
2: Flash boy, yes. Yeah,
0: because somebody in develop somebody on the floor that Zim was on mentioned my name. They're like, Yeah, I think Jean is like a flash wizard. And uh, and I was like, I guess. And so I yeah, there was like some tiny flash thing that um, that y'all needed help with. And that was the first time we met. So I guess that's that the your lack of flash knowledge led to us actually meeting. So that's just Yeah.
2: Kind of so that's good. Funny
0: aside, yeah, that that's good. That's the that's the positive.
2: I mean, I've tried to learn Flash like 8 billion times, but to me it's like trying to bend some kind of fucking wire hanger into a drawing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's about right. That's
0: Flash. You don't need to learn it. It's dead now anyway. So,
2: oh, It's so rough. But anyway, but, sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. It's great. I, uh, Yeah, it's, it's just that basically was how I started out. And I, I worked at Wild Brain Animation for like four years. And I started – they realized that like I was – fixing the designs because I was I was like noticing that they were off model or something and it was making me annoyed so like I was Uh taking the designers designs and I was fixing them without Uh telling anybody Uh and at one point my boss was like so we've noticed that you're drawing over the drawings and you're not just cleaning them up and I'm like no and they're like yeah we, we see what you're doing and I was like okay and they're like do you want to just be a designer and I was like
0: oh wow um <laughs>
2: so yes you, think you were in trouble <laughs> I did I thought I was in shit and they were like do you want to just design and I was like yeah and they're like great you can design you can still clean up everybody's work in your own and you get paid the same you're a designer now and I was like yay
0: <laughs> that's awesome
2: uh I don't know if it's awesome but it is definitely a thing
0: was it not something you wanted to do
2: i didn't know what the fuck i was doing honestly like Mm. i i animation i had kind of vowed to never go into it because my parents i just saw how like torturous it was and how how rough it was for them and i was like i'm never gonna do that and then i was in it you know it just i was like well eat my fucking words but
0: yeah
1: (laughs) yeah that's so funny that's so interesting was a wild brains uh, wh- where was that studio? Was it still in Chicago, or was no? That- I was out here.
2: I had moved home by this point, and it yeah. was uh, in Sherman Oaks, and mm-hmm. so I was just driving from Glendale to Sherman Oaks every day. But nice. yeah, and I I stuck around there for a, a long, long time. And then, you know, much like all of the animation industry, you uh, you make friends along the way if you're personable and you're pleasant to work with, and you get your shit done. Um, people hit you up in the future, and sure. um, uh, my friend Brad Gake, who is a, a sweet, sweet potato, actually commented on your post, and I was like, oh, Brad. Um, <laughs> but uh, he hit me up to get a job, at, to test for a job at Cartoon Network, which would be my first, like, big studio job. And uh, I took the test, and it was like, I'm never going to get this. And, um, and I got it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I've never, this is like, I feel like I'm wearing, like, big boy pants now. This is crazy. I'm doing it. <laughs> And I went to Secret Mountain Fort Awesome as my first like in studio career move thing and worked with my friend Brad and met my friend Dominic and a bunch of other people. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And like almost this entire time, like it was very dude heavy, like almost every production that I'd been on. So I was often the only, like on Secret Mountain, I think I was the only female artist on the crew
3: Yeesh.
1: Yeah, I bet, especially since Secret Mountain is like Adult Swim, right?
2: Nope. It no, was that was Cartoon just, Network. Yeah. That was just Cartoon Network proper. That and... was just
1: Cartoon Network? Wow, that's crazy. I
2: thought it changed was... a
0: lot, yeah. Wow. Like, pretty fast, I think. Things have gotten better. <laughs> it was pretty rough for a while.
2: Well, I mean, it was funny because Secret Mountain was on the same floor as Problem Solvers, which was like... We were, like, the island of misfit toys, like, that floor. Like, nobody wanted us, and they're, like, why do you exist? And we were just, like, making shit that nobody watched and wanted. And uh, I, we all, there's, like, a lot of camaraderie on that floor for that reason, mm. which was very funny. Yeah.
1: That's so funny. Oh, man, I love problem solvers. It's so weird. I do, too. It's... I
2: fucking love problem solvers.
1: Yeah, it's so insane. I, like, the first time I watched it, I was, like this is some bullshit and then i kept watching and i was like i actually like this i i like this this, some bullshit. <laughs> this is some fucking
0: it's a weird show it's super weird
1: yeah. <laughs> it's just it's super meta but anyway yeah and secret secret mountain i remember like i remember watching that also when i was like wait i was a teen yeah i probably was a teen i was probably like
0: yeah 17 yeah yeah Two thousand like eight or nine or something. I forget. Yeah, I'm no.
1: fucking old. It's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's only crazy because you're not
1: like that much older than me. Because I'm thirty-two, yeah. so you're only mm. like five years
2: older than me. But yeah, like cartoons yeah. just go fast. <laughs> cartoons yeah. go
0: fast. They sure do. Like Sonic.
2: Yeah, it's he's got to go fast. Or <laughs> go fast. Uh,
0: what did you do after that?
2: Um, after I did well, Secret Mountain. I only worked for a little bit. And uh, then we, <laughs> it was as if Cartoon Network realized the atrocity they had made and they were like, wait, wait, kill it, kill it. <laughs> like this is this is yeah. awful. Um, why do we have a char- or show with a character made entirely out of butts? We don't want this. Um, <laughs> and it was like one day I went into work and they were like, uh, pack up everybody, it's over. And we were like, oh, okay. So yeah, it just kind of ended very abruptly. And, like, from there on, God, I can't – honestly, I don't know if I can recall the arc that took place from that point forward because I worked so many jobs. I had, like, tons of freelance that was overlapping at the same time, too. So it just – it all became kind of a mush. And I've worked on – for every studio at this point and, like, on a a ton of different productions. I don't even – yeah i don't even know well then uh
0: if you're down let's uh talk about direct art directing on uh zim how was that like how did that start
2: uh well that started mostly because um jonan had me kind of art directing the comics
0: oh that's right yeah
2: and um so i was already helping set the look and the color palette for the comics i was working mostly with like Simon Trueslier who who goes by Simon Hutt, who's incredible, and to this day, uh, we li- I literally will hire him for like anything I'm working on forever and ever because he's he's such a just incredible talent and super sweet person. But he and I were developing what the Zim comics look like together, and then I did like the first I like art directed the first six issues of the Zim comic, I think, and um, like all the artwork and color and everything I would manage and and uh, it would kind of pass through me and and what have you it's an
0: interesting role I don't you don't hear about like art directing comics as much I think usually it's kind of a linear
2: it is yeah thing. and I think that that mostly came from the fact that Jonan had something very specific in mind and wanted somebody to help execute that because he didn't want Zim to feel old like he didn't want it to feel like sure. it used to and and we talked a lot about like being inspired by like a lot of French comic book artists and like Mike Mignola and like people that we were kind of veering closer towards and just making overall this like more kind of, I don't know, like fancy thing or like, that's what we were kind of shooting for. So he kind of put me in charge of, of being the funnel through which everything passed. And uh, so that was like my role for the comics. And by around that time, I think I was working on um, Unikitty doing Mm -hmm. character which was a really fun experience actually the showrunners are like Mm. such sweethearts and it was they were maybe the best showrunners i've worked under but oh great they were
1: always smiling when i was on thundercats like dude, i would see them and they're always like happy and i was just like
2: lynn and ed are just incredible humans i adore them so much yeah they're great but yeah so I was in the middle of my my stint on Unikitty, and then Jonan was in talks about the Zim movie with uh, Nickelodeon, and they were struggling to find an art director, and I kept kind of like gently waving my arm in the background, being like, don't <laughs> and um, finally Jonan was like, I have an idea. Jenny should do it. <laughs> like ah okay um but yeah so i i i left unikitty and uh went on to to art direct zim and that experience i mean honestly i think it's my favorite production that i've ever been on and it it was fucking hard i mean art directing it was like the first time i'd done it in any kind of like large scale capacity because i'd done it for you know like we haven't gone and gone into this but joan and i had like a pilot in development at disney for four and a half years yeah i
0: was gonna ask about that too but yeah yeah, is that that's probably a whole other thing
2: oh it's so it's such a thing good gravy but yeah Yeah. like we you know i'd been art directing like our thing for that Mm
3: -hmm. as
2: well as like generating a lot of the design and and Mm -hmm. everything but i'd never art directed on this particular scale so it was definitely like a trial by fire kind of like learning experience but also like I, while we had, like, such a dinky crew, it was so small, it was such a teeny little skeleton crew, we were so close, and it was, like, this little family, and I've never really been on a production that's been quite as close-knit as this one. I, you know, I think that there's, like, a lot of productions where every department becomes an island and nobody wants to interface with each other. And it really bums me out. Like storyboard artists don't talk to designers and mm-hmm. uh, cleanup people don't talk to storyboard and directors don't talk to anybody. And, and like yep. EPs, like don't, you never even see their faces. Like, it's just, it's like these crazy isolation pockets. Yeah. And, and Zim was maybe with the first production I'd ever worked on that felt like there was a total breakdown of that weird hierarchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were all just, like, everyone hung out with everybody. Board artists, designers, cleanup people, coordinators, like, Brian, who's an EP on it, and, and mm-hmm. Jonan, and who's, like, the creator, which is almost unheard of, like, creators, like, hanging out with their crew. And, like, we just all hung out and watched movies and played video games and, like, worked our asses off. And there's just this this real team team energy that I think was really lovely yeah but it was it was a lot you know it was a highly complicated movie that we did for not a lot of money <laughs> and um it was a huge undertaking and, and jonan had a very specific idea of what he wanted it to look like so it just it took a lot of you know like we, we wanted to get it right and uh it was it was a whoo it was a, it was a choppy choppy ship but one that i would gladly board again like i yeah I would happily do it again.
0: Well, I want to say, like, I think, I think that it looks amazing. Like, yeah. and I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. Like, I was blown away by it. And I think the best thing I can say about it, hopefully you take this as a compliment, because I really mean it, is that, like, you designed it to look like how I, how I remembered it. Like, you pulled out the parts that um, were the most inspiring for me and all this stuff. Because I grew up with Zim yeah same i was was a kid yeah and so it was like the the polish and everything like it modernized it but kept the spirit alive and so like yeah i i I think that it's like fucking amazing like i i I rewatch it every time and i notice new things and just like the palettes and it's fucking rad like i it's such a you can tell that the crew loved working on it and it's because i think i mean obviously you know i have a lot of friends on the show and so i know or in the movie and so I, i knew how excited people were to work on it but that the bond that you describe and everything like it it comes through like there's a real love that shines through I think
2: well thank you and I yeah. I, I appreciate that and I know no actually that's exactly what you described is exactly what I had in my head when I was trying to do it because it was like mm-hmm. I don't want it I, I watched I rewatched all of Zim mm-hmm. to remind myself like what zim looks like and i i I, as i'm watching it i'm like god was there really this much like gray and baloney pink in it (laughs) my god this much like baloney
0: pink yeah
2: yeah it was like very weirdly desaturated in comparison to like my memory of it which it my brain had translated it to this like hyper vivid like crazy colored thing and then Uh seeing it again i was like actually it's Kind of understated. This is really yeah. weird, and so I was like, "Well, I'm going to go with how it made me feel instead of how it actually looked," um, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, it caused a little bumpiness because in some ways I think Jonan was very concerned about like both preserving the energy of the old show, like the ugliness, the intentional ugliness of it, and and stuff. But you know, he'd like come into my office and yell at me that I made it too pretty. And Get
0: over it, Jonah. I
2: was like, oh, God, come on, man. I'm trying. Um, but, you know, I I just... It's how I remembered it. And so I kind of assumed maybe that's presumptuous, but I assumed that's also how a lot of people remembered it. And yep. I that's actually a bit of feedback that I've gotten uh, since the movie has come out, that people are like, this is how I remember Zim being. This is so funny. And uh, I think our brains being younger just translated it as this more, like vibrant crazy looking thing
1: i was also Mm -hmm. just like recently i was watching some old nick cartoons like uh real monsters and like oh god nearly enough those a lot of cartoons were very gray brown Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. like it's just like i think i don't know if if it's the technology or like yeah it could because it could be the technology because at the time like it was still kind of like paper right like
3: yeah
2: yeah, but you're still painting uh things Ooh. by hand, so you can mm. pick your paints. I honestly think it's just kind of like we go through eras of style, you know. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think um it feels like the 90s. You can look at things like that coexisted at the time like Daria or like mm-hmm. I was really big into like things like The Head and stuff like that or or like, you know, there's a lot of shows that didn't utilize like psycho colors, but it's weird cuz I do think if you're a kid in the '90s, your brain managed to process that shit and make it a lot more amplified.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah,
2: that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, kudos it's, to you.
0: I don't know. I th- I think it. I think you nailed it. I think well, it's great.
2: Thank you so much. It was it was a it was a fun one to work on, and goddamn it, Nickelodeon fucking let us make a show again. We talked about oh, it. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. So, talk about
0: a very important house because you know Jonan talked about his side of things on his episode, but it was sounds like it was kind of more of your baby as far as like the initial idea. So I'd love to hear mm-hmm. your perspective.
2: Yeah, I, I, I definitely like. I suddenly got a bee in my bonnet to Mm -hmm. make a show, which I think everybody gets that B for the most part if they work in animation. It's just something that you start to feel. Also, let me give a little bit of advice from someone who's been through it and has seen the future and the past. (laughs) Get some fucking managerial roles under your belt before you begin this process. Mm -hmm. Before becoming a show, or like trying to become a showrunner. I look back on myself back when I was doing Very Important House and I'm like, I had no fucking business running a show and i don't know if i could have done a great job at it even if we'd gotten it i i would have been a really a crazy show runner because it's man yeah get some managing jobs directing positions or something under your belt before you you jump into that fire it it will serve you very very well
1: can you um say a little bit like uh, just a couple details about that like just um what what would you think a leadership role would have kind of helps you with for a very important house
2: i mean there's a lot of things something that i learned the hard way is that when you enter this thunderdome with your idea mm-hmm. it's not yours anymore
3: yeah mm-hmm.
2: and i think that's something that no one understands until it's happening Mm -hmm. it suddenly belongs to a lot of people Mm -hmm. and there's a thin line that you have to walk where you preserve your baby and also understand that it isn't yours so it's it's like Mm -hmm. collaboration and letting go and like em forcing your ego to take a back seat, I think, is so essential to surviving that process. Absolutely. Um, Because if you, uh, man, I know enough, I've worked for enough showrunners that held onto their show with their fists closed as tight as they could. And it made the production unbearable because uh-huh. all they did was micromanage and step on everything that everybody was doing because they were angry that it wasn't the thing that they were seeing in their head but also they didn't have the skills to execute the thing that they did see in their head Oof. so they're like angry to not ha- like why aren't you reading my mind is like generally the the frustration and i have i can't even tell you how many showrunners i've worked for that like i literally just got off of a show that was like that where it's it's like i'll just do it myself cuz you're all inept you know and like it's it's really hard and i think to be a good showrunner like a great showrunner is someone like i just worked on centaur world not too long ago which is coming out in july Mm -hmm. and i'm very excited about working for megan dong she's so rad holy cow Mm -hmm. yeah like yeah she has so much experience and like she is what i would say is one of the That is like what you want to be as a showrunner. It's someone who hires the people that she knows, like she knows that they do something that she likes and that she respects that. And so she's like, I hired you because I like what you do. Now go do it. And that that is that's how you get the best shit out of people is let them work and don't step on everything that they're doing and don't like. Yeah, don't fight tooth and nail on every like. Maybe it isn't the thing that you saw in your head, but maybe it's better, you know. And yeah, it's it's like reconciling your ego with that. It it's so important. I can't even stress it. You know, I'm yeah. pitching right now, and like, part of my dream to get a show is is to know that it's like it takes a village, and and that like I would be able to create. A a crew of people that I love and can trust and just let them go make something rad where it's like my thing is is a jumping off point for that but it isn't the end all be all and having like people also letting your artists feel like a personal investment in the project helps Uh, you get the you get once again you get better shit out of people if they feel personal investment and it feels like their voice is important and yeah. It All of that stuff is so essential. And when you're young and you're just getting into it, you don't know all of this shit. And like, mm. I think, and of course there's like more technical reasons as well. Things like understanding your pipeline, you oh. know, understanding how shit gets made. I, I know enough board artists that have gotten shows who have no idea how design works. And that has hurt the show when they're running it because design ends up getting slapped in the face over and over again. So it's like, yeah. if you're a board artist, like, go fucking learn how design works. Or if you're a designer, it unfortunately, it's very rare that designers get shows, as I'm experiencing. Yeah. Yep. It, fucking annoying. But like, if you're a designer, go understand how the board pipeline works. But it's like, you need to know how all the, the machinery works together to make a thing before you can successfully make a thing not to say that you can't make a thing but it's going to be a significantly more painful process
0: right for everyone yeah
2: yeah for Uh, everyone involved and you'll have people quitting on you and getting frustrated and and getting sad because they're getting stepped on in the process and and you just it's just so important to remember like the human part of making something like this
0: yeah i I, I, I see it as like you're you're creating an instruction booklet for making the show like that once i once i kind of came to that conclusion it like made it make more sense and not just for the artist even it's like when you're pitching a show it's like you're creating an instruction booklet for executives to give notes later like it's it's kind of a hard thing to articulate but it's like until you've been through that process but it's like if you want to create these sets of rules and parameters and then you kind of have to let it go but it's like as long as the execs know what you're trying to accomplish as long as the artists know what you're trying to accomplish that's all you should do that's all that like you can do and then from there it's just kind of curating a little bit but, uh, yeah like, to
2: a degree yeah i i agree that's
0: just a way that's like helped me it's like thinking yeah, yeah. of it like setting up the like a sandbox you know you set up a sandbox and mm-hmm. then you just kind of let everyone uh that's involved kind of contribute a little bit otherwise yeah it's it's suffocating to everybody and it hurts your chances of trying to get the thing made and and then have a healthy crew and et cetera and et cetera. so mm-hmm. that's just my take on it
2: i agree yeah i i do think i also a huge thing that I learned, uh, you've also learned the hard way, is hire people that are more talented than you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Like, don't, don't let your own weird issues with, like, how you perceive your own work get in the way and then see people that you're like, this person's so talented that I'm threatened by them and I'll never let them do what they're supposed to do. Like, on Zim, I hired almost exclusively people that I knew were better than me and stuff. <laughs> I was like, here, go no. be better than me on this movie and make me look like I know what I'm doing yeah and uh that will goddamn that will make your thing great if you just like don't it's just
0: exciting to see other like it's exciting to see what people can bring to something like that's you know that's the goal it's like you want to yeah. make it the best it can be
2: yes absolutely yeah don't so i think the, the key here is like ego it's like just don't let that trip you up a bunch mm-hmm. along the way and if, yeah. you're, if it is, like, too much of an issue, then, like, by all means, like, go make a comic or do something where you're not having to work with a huge crew of people and a com- company worth millions of dollars. Like,
3: right. do that.
2: Yeah. You do that as your own baby if it's very, very, very important to you. But if, if you're ready to, like, let go, then that's...
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's...
0: yeah you gotta make yeah. your choices.
2: You do. Yeah. yeah, you gotta pick your battles in a big way. It's It's... it's tough one is
0: there any kind of like advice or anything that you would give to somebody who is like what what did you uh what would you like to know what would you have liked to know going into that process that you've learned through it
2: you mean through development
0: yes development yeah
2: okay um yeah i damn Honestly, it's probably
0: a lot, but <laughs> yeah. There's
2: there's a there's a lot of things you know I didn't know going into it. Um, get yourself a lawyer, understand your contract, yeah. like know what you're actually getting into. Know that it's going to be punishment. It is not an easy yep. process. Gene can tell yeah. you it is. Yeah. It is a painful, painful process. Not to say that you shouldn't do it. If you have that, if you have that, like want, just know that it's it's a It's a gauntlet you're gonna run and you're gonna be dealing with a lot of people that don't have your you're like they're not watching your back they're they're people who are ready to throw you under a bus to benefit their positions or like that's it's really unfortunate that that's the way this industry works and i wish i could say it's like I got to make a thing and it was great. Like, and that could be the end of it, but it, 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 it's a really hard process. And even if you do succeed to a degree, there's just a million hurdles that you're jumping also within the process of succeeding. And it's, it's never, it's never simple and it's never easy. And, um, you gotta, it's, it's like preparing for battle, you know, like it's interesting pitching right now because I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, Do I want this? Like, I, I clearly, like, have this weird urge to tell some story, but also, yeah. like, is it, is it worth this, like, degree of punishment? And I, I hope yeah. that I don't sound, like, incredibly negative. It's hard but not I, to. It's but hard.
1: I think you're right, because I did have, like, a... Uh, I mean, I I like I did have, like, a show in, in development with, with the producer, so not with the network, with the producer, and... It just really like I went in in like super naively, like very naive, and like they, I, you know, you never really know, kind of what you're supposed to do, or like if if they're asking you to do a thing, is it just kind of like what step of the process are you know are you in? Does that guarantee that you're you that they think of you as like an important part of the project?
2: Oh, yeah. And they'll like blow a bunch of smoke up your butt to make you think that mm-hmm. you are. <laughs>
1: and yeah. Then... It's, yeah, it's really it's it's a really weird thing because it's like um, because you're it's true. Like once once they buy the idea and and in my case, it was just like it was just a producer. It wasn't like a network. But like once they bought the idea, like they owned it and they could do whatever they wanted with it. like Yes, they that's
2: could... that's like a very important house. Yeah yeah
1: it's like you can if they decide like if you pitch it as a teenage show and they decide to make it preschool well then it is preschool you don't you can't say anything about yeah, that it's like it's that's true.
0: yeah it's you're selling it you're selling it that's kind, it's, it's yeah it's not your idea yeah you're yeah. selling a product and um that's something i think a lot of people don't understand
1: yeah and it's like can like uh like and and then it's I, I i understand what you're saying like it's painful because sometimes you're you're wondering like well why did you want to buy this thing to begin with if you're going to yeah. like change it completely from what I originally pitched? But then, you know, I guess it's sometimes it's like, there's so many aspects of, you know, what attracts people to a project. It could be like they liked one design, one character, and they, they're they buying the whole project to just keep that character. Like there's so yeah. many moving pieces yeah. that at the end of the day, it is true. It's like, I mean, I think it's important to, to to talk about it to say that like yeah it's, it it's 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 not an it's not easy uh but it doesn't mean that like we shouldn't do it it's no
2: like, it's, every yeah. if you want to do it you should try <laughs> yeah, absolutely i think
0: the people who are go- the people who are gonna do it are gonna do it you know like i yeah. i don't think there's if if uh, us talking about it this way is scaring you off you were never gonna it was never yeah. gonna happen you
2: you didn't you, have the like, the chutzpah to begin with yeah
0: you need to be obsessed with it it takes a bit of madness like it takes a little bit of you know being a gluttonous management. masochist that's what I was looking for
1: I think there is also a uh, an aspect of it that it's like developing like like your business slash management skills I know like for me Mm -hmm. I started kind of like like working with this producer I had absolutely no idea how to talk about myself I was just like I said things that really backfired things Mm -hmm. like oh I'm an artist I'm not a writer and then they they like were like oh okay writing this down like you're like yep. basically when I said that, I didn't realize that when I said that, I basically signed myself out of my own idea because exactly. you know, people really want writers and you have to say, Yeah, I'm a writer. Even though, even if you don't have credits, that doesn't matter. Like, you, you're, you yep. have to say you're a writer uh, or else they're going to be, they're going to like, Well, if you don't
2: know how to write, how are you yeah, going to run the show? We're not going to be able to run, trust you with your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: like you're like selling yourself. Like, you're, you have to. Yes. <laughs> you're, you like you're, it's not even just the idea. It, it's the you idea are part of like, the package. Yeah, you're part of the package. The idea itself is pr- almost worthless, and it is like
3: yeah, one
0: mm-hmm. percent mm-hmm. of everything else. It's like you're selling yourself. You're you're selling a demographic, a concept beyond just even like it's like this whole meta thing that's not just like here's some characters that I think would be fun to. <laughs> it's like nope. Yeah. <laughs> they, they see a million of those. They've probably already seen your idea, so it's just like. Timing and, and hustle and being yeah. a, a good salesman. It's. I
2: also. It's, I, let me also add to this like, it's fucking Vegas, baby. Like, it's Vegas. oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, my yeah. my boyfriend and my closest friends are probably sick of me saying that. You are playing the gosh during slots when you begin this process and you sure. D- are. And it's like sometimes people not picking up your thing or whatever is not necessarily a reflection on you or your abilities mm-hmm. or your, your your story or anything. It's where you were, what time it was, what that executive had for breakfast, like if they forgot to pick their kid up at school, like it doesn't fucking <sighs> matter. All of it, all of the things that are entirely out of your control are, are factors in how this shit pans out. Because you are rolling dice when you go in to start pitching. And like, sometimes you'll see sorry for anyone i don't know how this is like i'm like dunking on so i'm like sorry for people who i'm gonna dunk on when i say this but there' a lot of absolute garbage gets produced and um oh, well, yeah
0: fuck yeah of course
2: and and those people who produced absolute gar- garbage it's like yeah maybe that person was really charismatic and also yep. reminded that mm-hmm. executive of their granddaughter or like maybe yep. <laughs> maybe like the the executive who had that like, person pitched to them like they were a friend of a friend, or like there's just so many weird factors that are at play. Uh, yeah. and and none of it necessarily works in against you or you're in your favor, it is just part it's of just, the it's chaos. It is, it's absolute chaos. So, it's like if you're pitching and your shit doesn't work out, first of all, do your best to not fall apart over it, you know. Like, after yeah. Very Important House got canned. And that that was like incredibly bad. Like that that whole process was. I, I I've talked to other people, and they're like, I've never heard anything go so badly as yeah, that. Yeah. But I had like a mild nervous breakdown. Like I it really fucked me up because yeah. I you know Disney only moments prior had told us that it was definitely greenlit, and oh, then fucking god. No. And then Joan and I were at fucking Cirque du Soleil, and we're standing outside, and we we got free tickets, and we were so excited because his friend was in it, and we were like, oh my god, we're gonna go see Cirque du Soleil, and we're standing in the parking lot, and then we got a call from Disney, and they're like, very important house is dead, and then I cried through Cirque du Soleil while clowns are performing, and I'm like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I can like was, oh, that's such that's
0: like a movie moment. That is yeah, that's such a movie moment.
2: You that's just so
0: hear crazy. like slow motion circus music like. Bah. There
1: was like a little, like one of those, like little, um, uh oh shit, like confetti, like going over your face and
0: stuff. And oh, Like god, partying yeah. and you're just like
2: crying. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. I felt like oh, I was constantly so, I'm so like, sorry. no, I was like, this weird, uh, dance between acknowledging the talent of the performan- performance and also yeah. being like so distraught. It's just uh, so weird. I'd be like, <laughs> oh my god, that contortionist is just so incredible. But yeah. I'm like, fine, I just. <laughs> froley like it. It was so, it was so rough. Oh, wow. Jeez. Oh, and I don't know if Jonan mentioned this, but like you know, Disney made it so we had no access. We have no access to Very Important House. They they set a buyback. But yeah, it was crazy. Very Important House was was hard, and it's it's really sweet. People are like, you should try to get it back, and it's like, you don't even know like yeah. what what that takes or no i I have no idea it's it's yeah unbelievable that's crazy yeah the i think sometimes like as artists
1: like and that's why i was talking a little bit about business is that sometimes we don't really realize how colossal the the companies are because we're talking about companies like disney owns marvel Mm-hmm. and um what's the other everything they own
2: everything. <laughs> they, own, yeah, they, they own everything they own star they wars. own fox and, and
1: no. yeah star wars and, and, and marvel and, and fox and it's like at this point you're you're talking about a, a company who has that has the the means to yeah more wealth than you can ever comprehend exactly mm-hmm. which which can be really great if you end up like vibing and getting a show with them <laughs> but
2: mm-hmm. it can be like yeah like business is rough <laughs> yeah it is really really I, I mean i do think it's important to tell people it's like remember you're getting in bed with a giant like you yeah you are you are trying to get a company to invest millions of dollars in you in the hopes that that investment will pay off for them like that is the whole exchange they don't necessarily respect your art and they're not making art for art's sake. Like that's not the point. It's a business. And uh that is that is what is going to determine like how this shit pans out. And it's it's I wish I could say that it was like, oh yeah, Cartoon Network's cool and or like so and so is cool or Netflix is cool because they want to make no. something that feels more whatever. And it's like to a degree. Mm -hmm. But also they're a business and they want to profit. So it's like, yeah, and they're all a a business also themselves in a competition. So absolutely. And they're competing with each other. Exactly.
1: So when you're like working with like, for example, I don't know, I, I won't name any of them, but like company A and maybe company A. Is trying really, really hard to have an idea with a dragon in it because it's like the, oh, the yeah. dragon moment and it's absolutely like, yeah they might just like you happen to have a dragon pitch and then they might just buy it because it's got a dragon in it but they want it because they don't have dragon ideas right now yep. and they need yep. a dragon show.
2: And... Dragons are in vogue. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Very important house was part of shows with portals in them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> And, but, but
2: then they also told us well we already have shows with portals in them so you're not allowed to use yeah. portals and we were like well no that's like it's not like a integral center point of our show but it is how sometimes she gets around and so no we're we're not cutting portals as a, a means for travel so sorry
1: if, yeah it's really true I feel like uh, I pitched an idea uh, way back like probably like six six seven years ago and they happened to be a princess in the show she was like Mm -hmm. a side character and the company was like we already have a princess show so sorry and it's like oh man the main character is not even a princess (laughs) they're just just, there just happens to be a princess in the in in in, in the main cast but like you know
2: yeah you're like this isn't even like what the show is about (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
1: it's really like it really yeah it's just yeah when because when you're talking business at this point it's like you really have to or i don't know it's something i'm still trying to figure out maybe you're really clever and you find a log line that even though you got a princess in your show it's you kind of like make your show remembered as like something completely different you know like as i don't know it's like a father and daughter show and then you forget about the princess she's like yeah daughter but then it's like yeah but then i don't know if there's other father-daughter shows then it's back to square one
0: (laughs) well it's like trying to yeah i i think i like networks will always have these like decrees things that Mm -hmm. they're looking for and it's like we want more girl shows or like that was uh, a thing in nickelodeon for a bit it was like girl shows you know the genre girl and (laughs) um, Ah, yes a fine genre uh,
3: (laughs) <laughs> yeah
0: and everyone was like scrambling to like i got get a girl show together and then i don't think there was a single one greenlit, you know and it was like and trying to adhere to those is impossible and and also worrying about what's already out there is impossible and like just make the thing that makes you happy and then get a good lawyer you know and like just <laughs> hope that you don't get <laughs> fucked in the process because it's yeah it's just uh that's just how it goes
2: absolutely and like you know i think there's also something to be said about ways you can maintain your idea through this process like if you publish a comic first uh or if you do something then you will maintain ownership rights Um, yeah build your ip first yeah you can build it first i mean and like i haven't done that because that's fucking daunting but also like it's uh it is a way to maintain your shit and and not like lose it entirely mm-hmm. uh, or at least yeah it, the, the chances of losing it are lowered yep but yeah
1: i feel right. or like or like yeah like developing it like to an extent that it like i don't know but it's kind of like every, there's no right way of doing it there's not nope. like a single way that's gonna that's like the perfect way because no, it kind of depends all. i guess it's like when you go into this process it's like like what is your personal goal as an artist right this you know like what like yeah set a goal like yeah is it like do you want it to look really cool or or is there like a specific story that you want to you want to say or like because i feel like because then you can always like you know when you're like in the in the in the in the pains of it and you're like i don't even know why they wanted to buy this thing to begin with you can just always kind of go back to this being like all right well i started this process because i really wanted to do this thing Mm
2: -hmm.
1: i feel like but it's yeah it's hard it's dude it's so
2: (laughs) it's so hard (laughs) it's it's really really tough um and i always feel bad like talking to new new people who are entering the industry and, and stuff and about the brutality of of this stuff and i don't i don't want anybody to get disheartened or get sad uh or feel unmotivated to try, Um, but it is, I think it's just really important to keep your head on straight and learn as much as you can about how this process works in terms of like, even just how a a show functions in general, like Mm -hmm. ask a lot of questions on your productions and and Mm -hmm. learn as, just take in as much information as you can and keep your head on a swivel and know that there's just a massive element of chaos in this that you can't control it's funny i you know not to like tangent super hard but like you were talking about why why even bother mm-hmm. and i've realized as i get older i think my motivation for wanting to make a show has now come down more to the fact that like for me it's like i want to make a show that would be fun to execute yeah. like yeah. i and like wouldn't be torturous for the crew and would be honestly just like a safe spot in a sea of chaos. Like I just want to make something that feels good for everybody to be a part of. And Mm. I find that that's far too rare on jobs. And I just, yeah, I want to create a, like a, a fun, good environment where people like, of course you're going to suffer all of the, the regular slings and arrows of production, that's just like part of the game. But like, if I could create a space where people feel heard and like their ideas mattered and like the drawing style wasn't painful or like overwrought and like everything just felt as easy as it could, but also while telling funny stories and and keeping people engaged. Like, my the thing that I'm pitching right now, my main character, it's for little ones. It's uh, seven and up what I'm pitching, mm-hmm. and uh, my main character is non-binary, and uh, mm-hmm. I myself identify as female, but, like, I f- personally feel like if you have a show that has a non-binary main character, that it, you don't even have to talk about it. It just simply yeah. is.
0: That was a thing for me with Pebbles, yeah.
2: Yeah. Then it's, like... Uh, that's something that's important to me. It's like I, I'd like to be able to have younger generations of people just get yeah. used to it and not have it be an adjustment. You know, I'm I'm hurtling towards forty, and it's still an adjustment for me. Um, but and I'm and you know, want I I want to like respect everybody and want everybody to feel seen and heard and yeah, all well, of that stuff.
0: It's tough too, because it's like no matter how much we're seeing it on the sort of the ground level where everyone is embracing these things and kids we, we know kids don't give a shit they're just like yeah well are you a boy or a girl they're neither okay and they just like go and play yeah, with yeah they g-
2: go on about their business yeah and-
0: they don't fucking care and then but yet you're dealing with like these executives that are worried yes. about like countries in the middle east or something where they're never gonna get it or maybe yep. not for a long time and it's just like so you're like making all these justifications and you have to explain it and it's just like uh they're like what if we ex-, you know we have to explain this within the show and it's like uh, do you i don't think you do i think we should just let them be but um yeah
2: yeah i don't think there's as ex- as much explanation that's as necessary as, as i think there is a perception that there, there is like it's yeah. it's, it's very well, funny i think people are smart enough to like pick shit up it's like just, just let yeah. it go it's okay uh what are you working on these days Oh fuck! I mean, nothing. Nothing I can actually talk about. Okay. Sa- sadly, I'm mostly doing freelance. I was an idiot after I quit that very difficult job that I just mm-hmm. left. <laughs> I uh, and I would love to go get, just go on about that, but oh yeah, it, naming names is tough. But I. I kind of told myself like I'm going to take a break and I guess a break means taking on like eight freelance jobs so oh my god I feel you so much right now (laughs) I'm I'm such an idiot problem with that yeah it's so bad I was like I had like one friend approach me being like hey could you do some character stuff or some illustrations for whatever and I was like yeah yeah that doesn't seem like it's too time consuming or like whatever and then that became a big thing and then uh, another friend of mine approached me being like, Hey, I'm developing this thing. Could you <laughs> ah. could you design the, the lead characters for it? And I was like, uh yeah, sure. And I'm like doing that. And then uh another person approached me being like, Hey, could you and and now I just I've just stacked everything all up and I'm like so mad at myself because I'm spreading myself just as thin as if I were working full time, except my attention mm. is divided between uh, like a million different things.
3: Which is harder. Hey,
2: Jenny, it is.
1: Um, I'm developing an idea right now. Would you want to like do some designs for me? Sorry. <laughs>
2: um, I I totally would. That's the no! that's the hard part. <laughs> that was a, that was a test. Oh, that was a test. See, I'm I'm gonna fail that fucking. Jenny, test.
3: no. <laughs>
2: okay, but like it's worse with friends. It's worse with friends because I'm like, oh, of course I help you. I love you. Like I. Yeah. D- yeah, oh, I, I will fail every goddamn time. Don't test me. <laughs> oh, man. I'm too weak.
0: Uh, oh, man. So, what kind of yeah. stuff you talked about it a little bit, but like, what kind of stuff do you hope to accomplish in the near future? What are your What are some of your goals,
2: dude? I don't know. Goals is a weird word for me. Yeah, of course. I think I've gotten to <laughs> see. This could go into a very dark direction, and I don't want it to. I I think my relationship with the animation industry has. Gotten very, it's it's been really hard, you know. It's been really tough the last few years, and I think it's it's kind of wearing me down a lot. Mm. On a more positive goal, end, I think I would love to get the thing that I'm pitching going somewhere. Um, there's some little bites and nibbles from Cartoon Network. We'll see how that pans out. So I I mean, if I could get that happening, that would be incredible I'd, I'd be very very happy to to have that see the light of day because god damn it this bitch needs a win like it's been <laughs> it's been too long I hear you and like I I think like more personal like goals wise is just to like seek more balance in my life and do more things that make me happy and mm-hmm. make me feel like, not using my career necessarily as the thing that I gauge my worth by and figure out ways to sustain myself where I'm not entirely reliant on big animation to, like, be my money daddy, like, fucking capitalism. Yeah. But, like, you know, I'd love to get into more voice work stuff that would, like, holy shit. That is that is a dream that feels so weirdly simultaneously attainable and unattainable simultaneously and I just said simultaneously like five times but like yeah I I would literally sacrifice a whole family and hurl them into a volcano to have that opportunity and yet it's so daunting (laughs) that I don't actually like pursue the the like options that I have in front of me because I'm scared that like I don't know It's, it's scary trying to actually pursue the thing that like it feels yeah. like this thing on a pedestal. But if I could muster up the courage to do that, I that would be, oh, that'd be so good. And yeah, yeah I just wanna make, make more things, not beat myself up about stuff and hopefully have a pitch workout. I think that's like, and ultimately just be happy, take more time for myself, spend more time with people that I love figure out a way to fucking buy a house. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that it seems is... <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: know, how that's going to happen.
2: I am I 37 crazy. and have a roommate because this is we're yeah. we're all fucked. We're all dicked, man. I yeah, I'm just going to I I mean, you can join me. I'm going to just buy like some acreage in the middle of buttfuck nowhere and just set dude. up like an artist commune and like yeah. all my friends can build like little houses on the the land and we'll just have like you know, a little town of, like, refugee artists, so. Hell
0: yeah. I love live the sound of together.
2: That. I feel like, yeah, yeah
1: we we all have, like, low-key this, like, <laughs> I was talking to one of my friends, he was like, yeah, I'm thinking Thailand, I was like, you're reading my mind.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yo, I'd be down for Oregon. I don't even need it to be fancy, I, or, like, a big move, although, I... Rules. dude, I, like, I'd go buy a chunk of, like, land in Oregon that's, like, far enough out to where it doesn't cost anything and oh yeah. that'd be great yeah, dude. Yeah. We'll although talk my, my uh my wife bijou like my my platonic wife bijou and i yeah. uh um we've already discussed buying a house in japan and moving to that like old oh my god island yes yeah. yes
0: yeah I know we're exactly gonna what that. you're talking about i looked yeah. into it 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 was, like, it's cheap as fuck to buy land there. You can buy, like, a
2: house for $500. Yeah. Or $5,000. Yeah,
0: I legitimately, like, Casey and I looked into it, and uh, for, like, a second I was, like, logistically, like, what what would it take? But it's, like, it's tough because, like, you you can buy land as an American, but it's, like, a whole thing. I don't know.
2: Well, they want people moving there because the population is is so low, so they're, like help yeah i don't know also population. about the i
1: don't know about the the like legal aspect of it like visas and stuff because I, I yeah it's, it's i wonder
2: that's... if it's like new zealand because new zealand is quick to pay artists because they're like as long as you say made in new zealand we will support you financially interesting like, or, or oh, cool. visa. let's go to new zealand <laughs> my friend uh jimmy Urine from my Self Indulgence and chantal claret like they moved mm-hmm. to new zealand um and New Zealand is like we love you. We love artists. Like we're here to support dude. you.
0: Seeing their uh, like, I listen to their podcast about it all, and like hearing them talk about it, I'm like, shit, I kind of want to move to New Zealand. Like I'm like, dude, right? Like seeing their beautiful life there, I'm like, sounds oh pretty my little. god, Sick. yeah.
2: Well, those those Where's fucking people. Uh, uh,
0: Jesus, uh, I love that. The podcast is called Podcast from the End of the World, I think, and it was mm. um, it's it's short, but it's just them talking about like how they first decided to and how they used to visit and they really mm-hmm. fell in love with it i think they i think because serge tankian also lives there and i think yeah that was like kind of the first nibble of it mm. and then i mean they there. also
2: like chantal is like a notable th- actually the both of them big lotr fans <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that'll
0: help that'll help yeah yeah mm-hmm.
2: they're the sweetest that, people still oh, looking I'm sure, at them yeah. like i mean we've been good friends for so long but like just looking at them pop up on my social media being like look at my beautiful children and we love each other so much (laughs) look at my hot wife look at my hot beautiful wife holding our beautiful children and i'm just like "Ah, you guys are amazing
0: (laughs) yeah if you can figure it out man that's the dream but they they've they've lived their life and then some so they're i think they're ready to just like chill out
2: Mm. oh chilling out sounds pretty cool chilling out sounds
0: pretty good i don't know if i can do that yet but someday
2: I, yeah, uh. I'm clearly like I I talk a big chill out game, but here I am with like eight freelance gigs. So <laughs> well, yeah, there's uh. still a
0: a buzz, you know, until you can until that buzz calms down. Until that part
2: of you dies, you know.
0: Until that part of you dies.
2: You <laughs> Like I'm yeah,
1: I'm always thinking about that. I'm always like thinking like, where could I move so I could just like buy a place and just
0: I kind think it's of, good to make
1: comics, and then I'm just I like I it. just gotta stick around. Oh like, my god,
2: you. follow the cheap old houses Instagram. That I, um, yeah, I quit. had to because
1: it's too it's too tempting too,
2: it's, it's too enticing you're like I, I could know. buy a house for $20,000 sure I'll live in Syracuse New Man. York buying a house yeah. for $5,000 yeah. <laughs> oh geez
0: someday we got some uh, good questions from Twitter from at Gofflin Amy J- Jenny how do you come up with your color palettes for your own work I love them
2: oh well Amy is a sweet potato
0: how did a sweet potato type that's amazing
2: yeah, it's crazy. I, I know okay. so many sweet potatoes. Um, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> as far as coming up with color palettes, I think a lot of it just comes from like weird instinct stuff. But I think uh, if we're going for like a more technical answer then it comes from my bowels or whatever, then I mm-hmm. would say it's. Uh, I tend to lean into certain colors. So I have like a set palette in my brain that I tend to already pluck from but then it's more about creating a balance of like values so you're like okay I don't want to like my lightest color in this will be represented by this like lavender and is super pale and then uh my darkest color will be represented by this like really dark teal or whatever but it's like creating something that feels like here's I mean, sometimes I'll, one of the most valuable lessons I learned was from uh, Becky Dresdat, oh, yeah. where she was like, "It because she was." I was like, "Becky, look, teach me some hot tips about gouache painting." And and she sat me down and she did because she's incredible. And mm-hmm. uh, she would just take like five tubes of paint and she'd squirt just those five colors out, and she's like, "That's all you're allowed to use," and yeah. and that created this like. Hyper cohesive look to things mm-hmm. because you had to mix all of your colors based on these very limited. This is limited, like three to five colors,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it's like, and when she picks them, it's it's not like, well, I picked the rainbow. It's like I picked complement like colors that feel complementary to one another. Like I really like the way that like teal and like a pale salmon looks together you know or like I really like the way that like a neon yellow plays next to like lavender or whatever and and I think I mean I also just go on like social media or I go I, I have like 8,000 folders on Instagram of just like color like pretty color things where I, I just take like I have a big folder of, of things that I can like flip through and be like god Damn, that's a good use of color. And then like be like, I wonder if I tried to apply this pink next to this like weird green, how that would work for me. And then like try something kind of based on something that somebody else came up with too, just to like try something else or like break yourself out of like a habit that you get into where you use the same colors over and over again. Even though I totally do that, but
1: (laughs) I feel that (laughs) yeah, it's
2: uh it's fun. I also do think like trying to set very. As I said, setting a very limited palette and having that being the only thing you're allowed to lo- use sometimes like makes it cool. There's also like some really neat palette apps that if you're stuck, um, you can use to kind of cycle through and it'll like randomize colors for you. And then you can um, like be like, oh, I like this and this color. And then you can lock those and then like keep shuffling until you see some others that like start to feel good together. So like that's a nice way to like break out of a, a palette rut too, but yeah overall i i think it's just like taking in the world around me or taking in what other people are doing or taking in like even just walking around and seeing something out in the world where you're like this next to this looks pretty and then taking a picture of it something and then like color dropping those um i it literally pulling from like everything all the time i fill my space with just like psycho color no there is no shame in reference don't rip people off ever and don't claim other people's work as your own but don't be afraid to be influenced by or even like be like i'm you know i'm trying out i follow this artist who i really like and i'm kind of giving this thing that they do a go and like see how i'm gonna wear their skin for a second see how that feels but like don't let that be your skin but like let it kind of you know It's good to try shit. Just uh, try it out for a second. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Especially since I mean, you know, when you're gonna go into animation, you're gonna have to be doing that as part of your job.
2: Oh yeah, you are a chameleon anyway. So adapting other people's looks is uh, the name of the game until you get your own shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then you uh, have everyone else make it better. (laughs)
2: That's just yeah. And then you like, then you do a crude version of the thing that you're hoping for, and then you find people who are more talented than you to execute it. Yeah.
0: From at Cole Ott, a familiar name. What was your favorite line read in the Zim movie?
2: Oh, Cole. Oh, you're so sweet. Cole was racking his brain how he could like bring voice acting into this. Oh, sure. <laughs> He's so sweet. I I mean, I think the one that I always go back to is like, because Joan and I reference it a lot in our stupid stream with the, the woman who says, I love it. Or it's a lot more alive than I thought it would be, though. It, mm-hmm. when she gets the the weird, like, gargling, like, a living bracelet put on her wrist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I later listened to that and sa- realized it sounded very much like Flapjack, and I did not intend for that to happen. I was like, oh, shit, I just sound like Flapjack. That one was fun. God, I'm trying to remember. There was a take that we recorded during Scratch that did not end up in the movie, and it was... I was reading for Gaz... And I did like a Cartman voice by accident and it just was the dumbest sounding thing ever and it became like a secret reference on the crew. I think she's like she just says something like, wait a minute, or wait, I think I think we could or something like that. But mm-hmm. it ended up being like, Wait, I think we could like it was so <laughs> stupid sounding. And it just made all of us laugh every time it came up in, like, the boards because it was in this scratch and it just sounded nothing like the character. But, yeah, I don't know. There's a few. The, "Ah, I love it, like, yeah, dumb thing from that woman was very fun. (laughs) It's so stupid. (laughs) Uh -uh.
0: From at Devon 1224 Mm -hmm. what exactly does an art director do? Any tips for improving character design skills?
2: Oh, that's a really good question, actually. I find that a lot of people have no idea what a car- an art director does.
0: <laughs> yeah, those are two separate questions, and there's yeah, a yeah. third that I'll get to.
2: Okay. um, Yeah, so an art director is basically like one of the first people you would hire in a production when you're starting to kind of figure out what it looks like and they help you guide the show or the movie or whatever commercial that you're working on in a visual direction so they kind of will help pick the palettes and sometimes they will be responsible for also de- you know designing the environments and the the characters that exist in those environments like every aspect of it they kind of like figure out what that's going to look like. And that sometimes involves their own personal skills or even just hiring an artist that they want to work with directly. Like when I was on Zim, um, you know, I'm not a strong background artist. Um, I can fudge my way through it, but it's not my my steez. And I hit up Simon, who I mentioned earlier, and he and I ping-ponged back and forth like drawings of Zim's house externally and internally that we we kept going back and forth through it until it felt like we got it to a place that was right, you know, along with like Jonan helping kind of guide that process. So you're basically like managing all of that. And then when it comes to actually full blown production, you are the funnel through which all of the art passes to create like make sure that there's a cohesive look so you would have your character designers your background designers your painters your your prop and effects designers like your whole design team is under you and your you can assign kind of like micro funnels underneath you like leads to help be like kind of mini versions of your position where you're like looking over the whole thing and then they can look uh, more like specifically at just character, at just background. So you're just managing the whole team. And also apparently being an art director means having a lot of people come into your office and lay on your couch and tell you all their woes because that you become therapist <laughs> yeah. and and, yes, you um, <laughs> and mother. You, you're crew mother. That yeah. is the unspoken part of art direction, but it happens for some reason. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, That's you're a leader. It makes sense.
2: I like it though. I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't uh, do the character design one. Oops. Any tips for improving character design skills? Yes, always. I think I love just if you just dick around on the internet and you see something that is like like I oh this is gonna get gross. Sorry about everybody. I I fell down a wormhole recently of just like these really giant inflatable fuck toys Ah! and like (laughs) they are so weird and like but the shapes i was like these are weird and good shapes like the shapes i was like these these are hideous and also like why am i looking at so many of these but i ended up taking like hundreds of screen grabs because i was like holy shit the proportions from like where the waist meets into the the hips is like really really interesting to me Mm -hmm. so like i would say finding things that entice you that aren't necessarily directly related to animation is actually a really nice exercise to like test like putting yourself out of a habit of drawing a body the same way over and over again or drawing a head the same way like get weird with it but also on the polar end of that like don't ever uh stop testing yourself in things like anatomy that are like your bones because at the end of the day the structure that goes underneath your character is the thing that is going to make it feel plausible and volumetric um and uh being mindful that Someone is going to have to fucking draw this thing like 8 million times. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you yourself wouldn't want to draw like 50 tassels on a skirt on a character that you've designed. Like maybe think about the person in the future that would have to do that. Because you should... I, I think it's, it's always like pare it down as best you can. Like take... If you have a really overcomplicated design or something, then then take that and then be like what is unnecessary what 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 can i remove that does not hurt the integrity of the design but like feels like excess you know using the like chanel quote like whatever accessory you add last like get rid of it before you like go to your party or whatever
3: Mm
2: -hmm. same deal i i think it's uh it's easy to like fall into this rut of like over like burdening your designs with like detail but that does not necessarily make for efficient animated uh, character designs it makes for a headache Um, you want to be able to move those through space and being mindful of your animators is uh, super important so yeah anatomy play with shapes and uh, yeah be mindful of your animators (laughs) that's good stuff yeah yeah
0: yeah from at three bubby if you had to pitch a show based on your weirdest dreams slash nightmares what would it be
2: oh god that is a you know i think i even responded to that with like (laughs) oh no my dreams are a mess (laughs) like i oh i have had some my dreams are strangely linear and could translate but they would also be awful like yeah. I, I don't know there I don't know no one would buy a show based on my my hideous weird dreams <laughs> like I had a dream once where my sister was ill and um, she it, she's like a very talented um, fashion designer and artist herself but she had some like gala to go to and um, she's like oh no I can't go to the gala because I'm very sick and I was like well I'll go in your place. Let's just swap skin. And then (gasps) she, and she's like, okay. And then it was this process of climbing out of our skins. And my sister's like, you know, like we, we have like very differently shaped bodies. She's like curvy. And I'm like built like a pickle, like a little cucumber person. And like, (laughs) when I put on her skin, it like was incredibly ill fitting. And the fingers felt like giant thick rubber dish gloves on my hands. And then like, I had to like, but her fingers are shorter than mine, so I was having to, like, tug them down really far, but they'd, like, keep, like, going. I don't know. And then (sighs) my sister got into my skin, and it was, like, way too small for her, so it was all, like, ill-fitting as well. But then I remember looking in the mirror and trying to apply makeup to this face that's, like, sliding all over my own face because it doesn't fit, and doing the best I could with it, and then styling my hair and putting on a dress and going to the gala and successfully being, like... I made contacts and did really well at this gala for some reason for this like fashion thing, and then came back to my sister and I was like, "Look at all these contacts I made for you." <laughs> and then this is very then, linear. Yeah, and then swapping our skins back, and then mine was all stretched out, and I was all pumped about it because it's like now it doesn't fit anymore, <laughs> and like Rachel, Damn. yeah. Rachel's skin also being stretched out in different ways than she was anticipating. And and just like like this is like, my dreams are like these little micro stories that I feel like are so weird and gross <laughs> and like would not translate well into a show necessarily. <laughs> like maybe an episode of something upsetting, but I don't know if they'd be a good show. It could be an adult show. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> I don't know if uh. it's swapping skins is not enough to build a show on.
1: No, for, for yeah, for for real, I hear you. But it's like, like that, like it's an episode tone, of Goosebumps. Though, the tone is so funny. It's like, it's <laughs> yeah. like Goosebumps. It's like.
0: <laughs> and then from at Gia Ligamari, our mm-hmm. good friend, how has studio work from home affected your workflow?
2: Oh, this is such a rough one, and I, I'm sure like every artist out there is gonna like groan cause if they've been like working through this pandemic, uh, it's interesting. Work from home is something I've done my whole career.
3: Mm.
2: I've had very long bouts of only working from home, and it's very different than this last year has been because you can see friends and stuff, and you have, like, a life outside of it, and generally you can kind of create your own hours. The difference from that to pandemic is, is like, I found that boundaries and time became non-existent so like when i was at my previous job it was like lunch and off work hours didn't they weren't a thing anymore i didn't have breaks anymore it was suddenly like i would get out of bed i wouldn't change into anything other than like i throw pants on and then i would just sit down and and start i'd just jump into meetings and be in meetings until 6 p.m and then i'd be like well now starts part two of my day where i draw 8,000 designs and then I'd just do that until 5am and then I'd go to bed and and begin it all over again and it was just like that every single day. For those of you that are still working from home, um, do your best to actually set real boundaries for yourself because like man i really really burned myself out as i'm sure many many of us have done yep,
0: yep.
1: i relate to that a lot yeah yeah it's so hard it's like what you said exactly like you know at the beginning like you start on a gig and you're like yeah i'm taking two hours for myself in the morning and then you, you just like get stressed out over a deadline and the first thing yep. you do is just log into email answer emails answer slack work yeah <laughs> manage the artists i like yeah dude
2: well God, yeah and mm-hmm. i think about like the accessibility to artists now versus like my parents like there was no such thing as slack like if they're working from home somebody had to f- call them on the goddamn phone to get right. to them like it it's such a different and they wouldn't you know like they'd go into the studio from time to time and check in or whatever or they would call them on the phone or they'd send a fucking courier to their house with something but like Mm -hmm. we are so so accessible we have things like slack i had both slack and uh gchat on my phone just blowing up all day long at all hours because i was like on call to the point where like I found text messaging in general and like any kind of correspondence over my phone to start becoming very hostile for me over the pandemic because I was like constantly getting poked at and it just started to stress me out so bad that I was like, oh, my God, phone. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, making sure that you set real boundaries where you're like. I'm going to start work at 10 like I would at a normal job and then I will stop working like set a timer and be like it is 12 o'clock it is my lunch break then set a timer for 1pm be like my lunch is over and then go try to go back to your desk finish out your work day like you would normally and then it's like now it's 7pm or 6pm or whatever you're working till and you're like and my workday is done I'm turning off all my alerts on my phone." Uh, I'm I'm shutting my email Like I'm not looking at my email I'm not doing any of it Like the job can't get mad at you for that Because it's it's technically Really your work hours But I know right. it's easy to feel like they can um, Because they know you're home That's the worst part It's like I know where you are You're like yeah, yeah. because yeah, I'm not escape. allowed
1: yeah, yeah that's like uh, that like feels so real Especially like the timer thing Like I yeah uh, Yeah yeah it feels so real uh, Especially I don't know like I, i think the hardest part is when you're on like a job that is like on call
2: because... yeah i'm that's my what i'm yep. at right now it's yeah. really hard yeah i'm taking yeah. with i'm working with german clients and i am literally taking meetings uh at 5 30 in the morning and i'm oh. and i'm working up until that call you know i have a meeting today at 1 a.m oh my god because it's their 10 a.m and and Jesus. they yeah. they poke at me like throughout the day and like all through the night and it's just it's, it's hard it's hard being on call.
0: Yeah,
2: dude. Um, oh my god.
1: Tough.
0: I've been there, yeah. Well, what do you want to plug?
2: Fuck, I don't know. I mean, I don't I I mean everybody should go watch Centaur World. Um not I I played a very minor role in it doing character design um along that's with like incredibly talented people like Yeah. Cat and Har- Harley and and Evan and Bill and and like oh my god, so many talented humans. Mm-hmm. I, And it's just a really well-written show that's full of, like, super, super-duper talented and funny. Like, And it's a musical. Like, the jams are actually very catchy, which blew my mind. Um, Both the creators of it are, like, big musical buffs, so it comes mm-hmm, from a very, mm-hmm. like, real place. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: it's crazy. And it. uh, as far as plugging personal stuff, I mean, everybody just cross your fingers that my pitch maybe works out and um i hope so like yeah come join me and Joan in streaming every monday at 6 p.m making dicks of ourselves and drawing bullshit and being dumb (laughs) yeah yeah
0: those streams are hilarious well that's the end of our creative block thanks to jenny for being our guest and sharing her story
1: and thanks to your listeners follow us on twitter it's that creative block creative without the vowels where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask for guests Huge thanks to my sister Clemens for editing the podcast.
0: Please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Jean.
1: And I was V, Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye! 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 Bye. <laughs>